Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
We praise your name and we thank you, Father. We thank you for awakening us. We thank you for the burden that we carry with it. We praise you for keeping us on the edge of our seats. And Father, we pray that you will instill upon us trust and hope more than anything else because we need to totally trust you in the days that we're in right now. And we need to be able to have hope for well, what I would refer to as an early departure from the darkness that approaches rather rapidly. We praise you, Father God, for helping us to see these things, for there are so many of our fellow brothers and sisters who are completely and utterly unaware. And let us pray for each of them that they will not be caught off guard for any reason, that you will, whether it be through a dream, a vision, or an epiphany of some type, Awaken them, at least in time, to be able to seek you and to um, inspect, uh, to examine themselves independent of the churches that they may belong to and be able to draw in closer to you, Father, so that they would, at the very least, become um, guests at the wedding supper, Matthew Matthew 22. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you and thank you for our any, you know, for all of the trials and tribulations and, and fiery trials that are to try us. And we pray that you will continue to uh, pour out a spirit of peace upon our hearts as we, as we navigate the ambiguity, the, the, the inherent confusion of being alive in the days that we're in right now. Thank you for helping us to understand that there's very little that we can trust out there and that the information that's pouring in from all directions cannot be trusted and has to be Um, well, essentially just turned over to you and laid at the foot of the cross. And not to be troubled by that, but to be glad, truly happy that we have you to trust and feel true sorrow and sadness for those who do not have you to trust because as the things begin to unravel, as as it appears is happening ever more, mm, what's the right word, quickly, um, there seems to be an acceleration of well, negative end times events uh, occurring now that started clearly this year and um, hasn't let up really for those of us who have been watching as we've been asked to by our Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for in um, for telling us that we need to watch. Watch ye, therefore. Watch and pray. It's all over the scripture. And it is a hard thing to do because if we do wake up to the things that are happening, as we ought, then we do carry with us that burden. We carry with us an understanding of the things that are happening across the world in such a manner that we're not able really to share it openly with the people that we care about, love, the people that we um, even spend time with in Christ because they're just not able to handle it. And a lot of them are not really okay with the idea of leaving the earth. They appear to be on the outside, but when they're faced with the inevitability of our imminent departure, a lot of them start to kind of look over their shoulders like Lot's wife. And, Father, we just pray. We, we thank you. We just praise you. I praise you I, I, with all of my heart because, you know, while I am utterly imperfect and I suffer from a lot of fleshy challenges, fears, emotional uh, roller coaster upswings, downswings, sometimes depressions um, associated with the walk on this earth, um, you know, Father, I just I love it because knowing the things that we know right now gives us an opportunity to truly submit to 
mean what we say, not just to say it in a prayer and to say that we want to, you know, we want to trust you and that we want to, you know, commit ourselves into your hands and to believe that you're going to take care of us, but but to actually walk in a place today, especially where coming to a place of trusting you is the only place that we want to be because nothing else offers us the guarantees and the hope and the um the promises that your word does. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being our friend. We know that you can't tell us everything that we would like to know. We sure would like to know a lot of things and we can present them to us and or present them to the throne and we well, we're pretty sure we're not going to hear the answers to them. I think, Father God, and it's just my own personal guess, that you would rather have us in a place not knowing than have us in a place where we think we do know. And then potentially and sadly in some people, some believers' cases uh, shift our attention to um, behaviors and such that we should be avoiding all the time, not just periodically. So anyway, Father, we thank you for uh, the revelation that has been laid upon each of our hearts. We thank you for helping us to understand pretty well where we are in the Scripture and also to be able to embrace it with that peace that passes all understanding, that uh, Isaiah 26.3 peace, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. And Father, we need to have that anointing of trust. I believe it's an anointing and I'm asking for it to be an anointing from your throne room for each of us. Not not just to have hope and not, and not, not just to watch and see and listen uh, to the things that are happening around us, uh, but, but to have that absolute trust where we can come to you and just lay it at your foot at again at the foot of the cross give it to you and hold and and hold that trust dear to our hearts that no matter what does happen as as our flesh examines the possibilities unfortunately very difficult to divorce ourselves from in our in our current state uh, we always have the the option and certainly the desire I think uh, to put that trust into your hands and to walk in that trust to believe with all of our hearts father that our that we are where we need to be or if we aren't that you will uh, redirect our course as uh, pastor Andrew Womack likes to say redirect our GPS and get us back onto that uh, you know that path that you want us to be on so that we're in utter harmony with with that which pleases you and we praise you for that with all of our heart, Father God. We thank you that this electronic um, system that allows us to even spend uh, these uh, prayer vigil times together uh, is working. Uh, we praise you, Father God, for the divine, clearly, the divine protection um, against censorship, the divine protection against much worse that could happen uh, as a result of this type of a ministry even existing nowadays. Um, Father, we know that th that those divine protections are happening. Uh, they are real. Um, and um, I'm, I, I am perfectly prepared to suffer in any way that you wish for me to suffer, although, of course, naturally I would pre prefer not to have to. And Father, I just thank you on behalf of every person that has taken the time, whether it be tonight or tomorrow or many days from now, to, to spend some just some dedicated time worshiping you, thanking you, praising you, giving you the glory that you deserve, and thanking you, Jesus, for holding us and protecting us, sealed of God in your hands, uh, sealed in your hands, Father God, that you will not let us go. Yes, we 
we can voluntarily jump out of your hands, but well, that would probably be, not be ideal for any of us, and I don't think that any of us would do that by choice. And we just praise you, Father, for loving us enough and keeping us, uh, you know, that rod and that, that staff that comforts us, uh, understanding the true meaning behind that when a shepherd uses those implements to correct the direction of the sheep, to make sure that they're well taken care of, to pull them back on that path so they don't go rolling down the hill into the pit. And we praise you for that, Father, for loving us that much. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the lover of our soul. And we praise you for giving us this time that we can spend dedicated to you in that adoration, Abba Father. We praise your holy name and thank you forever and ever, forever and ever. And we look forward to a time when we can do that unhindered by the darkness that surrounds us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Tonight is Friday, January the 19th of 2024. Uh, if somebody would have told me 12 years ago, I'd still be here. Right now. I can't even imagine what I would have thought. <clears throat> anyway, um, and it's also the 9th of Shabbat, 5784, the Hebrew year and date. And tonight... We light together the Sabbath candles, or if you prefer, the Shabbat candles, or if you prefer to worship God every single day, if you prefer to eat shellfish, if whatever it is. Romans 14 helps us to understand that we are no longer under the bondage of such things, and it is our choice to spend that time with you, Father. And we praise you that you have given us that choice. There is no other place that I would rather be, and I submit probably anyone that may be listening now. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Borei peri hagafen. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavah v'ratzon hinchilanu Zikaron l'mase v'reshit Ki hu yom Lemikrae Kodesh, Zechelitziat Mitraim. Ivanu Vacharta, Veotanu Kidashta, Mikol Hamim. Vishabhat Kodshecha Be'ava Uvratzon Hinchaltanu Baruch Adonai Mekadesh Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven, with your precious blood and Father, your holy fire. Purge it 
Cleanse us with our with your hyssop and make us clean. Blot out all of our transgressions, please, Father. Do not remember our sins. Blot out our iniquity, that which spawns forth sin. And blot out, we pray, all of our sins. We pray, as it says in Isaiah 43:25, that you will not remember our sins. We praise you, Father. And we want to ascend that holy hill. We hunger and thirst for the day that we can ascend that holy hill. For those of you who are aware, and if you're not as aware as some, that's okay. Believe me, if you keep your eyes open and ears open, you'll be pretty aware pretty quick. Um, the darkness and the threat of World War III is increasing. It's pretty much every day now. Um, I'm not going to go into a you know listing out all those things, um, but they are increasing. And uh, maybe not as fast as a lot of us anticipated, but certainly they are increasing. There's no question about it. For example, North Korea just announced that they're currently in the process of testing underwater nuclear weapons. There's much more, but I'm not going to avoid it right now. Praise God. But it is important to be aware of these things. It is important to understand that this may be a very rocky year. Now, for hope. There's also, at the same time, a rather large and growing list <clears throat> of both believers and unbelievers alike that seem to be pointing to 2025 as being a very, very significant year. For example, Brother Ken Johnson has recently done a um, training. I don't know what you would want to call it, but he's been uh, he's come forth and said that he feels uh, in his analysis that the jubilee may occur in mid 20 uh mid uh 2025. It's interesting how many things are lining up with the middle part of 2025 and it's also very interesting to when you um list out all the different things that we are watching to occur, uh, certainly many of which I would like to believe we would not be here for. But to also recognize how many sources are pointing to 2025 as being a major uh, moment in time, a major period of time, so major, so significant that it could be, uh, even in accordance with some of the writings of the of the dark side, uh, the revealing, the ultimate period where the revealing of the Antichrist becomes uh, front and center, let's put it that way, and that the vast majority of those who are watching, or perhaps those who are even are not watching, will it will become evident. We don't know, but it is, it is, I did want to share that hope with everyone because um, if that be true, that really only leaves us about roughly a year and a few months before our departure. Now, that is a, that is a word of hope, but certainly not any kind of a guarantee. And in all honesty, over the last 13 years, give or take, um, I have yet to see one uh, prediction of time come true. And there have been many, very, very many. Our Father is incredibly patient, 
He does not want one to perish. And there is a noteworthy upswing in the number of people who are awakening to the biblical um, the biblical nature of the things that are happening across the world. And they're saying so. They're speaking it forth. Um, and these are clearly, a lot of these people are clearly, it, I don't know how to classify them except to say that at very best they're probably very teeny baby Christians. But that's okay because blood, fire, and vapor of smoke and all those who call, call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And your mercy is just that incredible, Father. And we thank you for that. We also thank you for the for the multiple confirmations that you have given us over the years that continue to flow in regarding the significance of praying that angels, that the presence of you, Lord Jesus, is made manifest in dreams and visions. For so many have come forward, and the word is out now, that there are parts of the world that are being touched, many people being saved, untold numbers indeed, uh, just by virtue of visions and dreams of our Lord and Him. I, I would like to have seen them. I mean, personally, I would like to have seen what they saw, um, but I, I haven't. I've just heard, you know, the reports coming in from all over the world. And, and it's amazing, too, because they're all essentially saying the same thing, but they're coming from so many different sources, which is a um, very trustworthy way to be able to confirm the confirmations, right? Praise God. So um, if it was the same ministry saying the same thing over and over again, that would be, that would cast a, you know, kind of a shadow of doubt over and the validity of it. But when it, so many different people from all over the world saying the same thing, um, it's a great confirmation. And I think it should be an incentive for each of us to, if, you know, how do I put this? We don't do things because we want rewards. We do things because we love people. Now, I know that's difficult for a lot of people in the days that we're in right now because the darkness is so thick that some of the things that we're subject to um, certainly don't elicit or cause our hearts to spring forth with love. That's why it's exceedingly important that we spend as much time we, as we can in praise and worship to immerse immerse ourselves in the presence of the Lord, sometimes just being in the dark, alone, with no noise, no sounds, no uh, sanitation trucks beeping, no birds tweeting, nothing, darkness. And, you know, it, it's, it, this is the kind of darkness that can actually immerse you in the presence of the Lord. And that that Im uh, immersion, that I'm, uh, I don't even know how to say it, but that immersive state that you can find yourself in when you are in the presence of the Lord is a place of peace that cannot be described. Words can't, simply cannot describe it. It is the secret place of the Most High, in my opinion, at least for me it is. And that is a place where peace comes that is unlike any other. And I think that when we are completely immersed and blessed. Not all of us have that kind of a blessing. Not many of us have children. Maybe we have a lot of children. Maybe we have very troublesome sp spouses. And that can make it exceedingly difficult to get away. To have that private place in your prayer closet or wherever it is that you pray. And to be able to 
be completely focused on the presence of the Lord. Because there is no better way to disconnect from the things that are happening around us that are so dark and to be immersed in the utmost of hope. And that is what we need now. We need more hope, more encouragement. We need that peace that passes all understanding. And we need to be able to stay focused on our Lord because he's the one who's going to bring us through the days that we have ahead as they get more bumpy further down. Many are predicting 2024 to be extremely difficult. And there aren't a lot speaking about 2025 at this point, except for those who are making predictions, which we cannot confirm except for the very interesting fact, as I mentioned earlier, that those, those that are pointing to 2025, we don't know when, not, not what part of the year, but those who are pointing to 2025 are very diverse which makes it most interesting when you have those who um, are representatives of the darkness and are immersed voluntarily in the darkness, as well as those who are immersed in the light of our Lord Jesus, all pointing to the same, we'll just say, frame of time or season. That adds an element of hope that otherwise I don't think I could have hope in. And that's that's saying a lot uh, in the sense that um, no one has been, when it comes to predictions, when it comes to chasing the rapture, when it comes to uh, being disappointed, um, I don't think there's an uh, awful lot of people out there that can beat me on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, there, you know, there may be quite a few of you that have been disappointed, and um, but, I mean, I just... It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, and um, I just praise God that we're, for those of us who have come to a place where we, where we are able to lay down that special time in the secret place of the Most High, where we are able to reach a point in our walk where we're okay. We're just okay. We're okay. In, a, in a place, though, this is the most important part of being okay is it in a place where we shouldn't be okay, but we still are okay. We're all right. And we can trust God. So many times I have to remind myself that, yeah, if I lose my job, God's going to take care of it. If uh, things get bumpy uh, and some unthinkable uh, things occur as a result of that bumpiness, um, it's still going to be okay. Our time here on this earth, as the Bible expresses it essentially, is so short that we're really not going to be able to relate to how short it is until we're no longer here. I won't get into that. That's all. You could do an entire teaching on how the Bible describes our the brevity of our time here on the earth. And for us to be able to know in advance how important how unbelievably important it is to our Heavenly Father that out of the love of Christ in our heart, out of the love of Jesus, would we spend time alone with the Lord if we had not been touched by the presence of Jesus in our heart? Would we give to the poor? Would we touch other people's lives? All those things spring forth from Christ in us. For if we did not have Christ in us, those are not behaviors that we would 
exhibit, let alone love. It's one thing when you give or touch somebody else's life for some sort of, I don't know, I can't even imagine doing it, but for some sort of hidden agenda or purpose. But when you truly take, when you're happy to give, really happy, I mean, you love it, and you pray for the protection of your job so you can keep on giving, keep on touching other people's lives. When you recognize how critical, when you recognize, can you imagine, I've never been taught this, no one has ever said it, not a once. I'll be 62 in March, right around the corner. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of nine, which would have put me at about 1971, I think. I've spent, the time that I have spent in churches has been in, although the last 10 or 15 years, it's been rather disappointing because the erosion of the power of the church has been most noteworthy and disappointing, to say the least. But if I was to reflect back into the 70s, the 80s, and the periods of time that I was involved in churches that were truly spirit-filled, when the meaning of the word spirit-filled church actually meant what, it's, what it sounds like it means. And so many have never experienced that. But a truly spirit-filled church is a church that has palpable power. You can feel the presence. The praise that emanates up from the people that are in the congregation, the participation of all the people that are there, is it's, it, you can feel it. It's really, really powerful. And that has, it seems to be an attribute that has been completely lost and dissolved from that which <clears throat> calls it the church today. Although there are some who feel otherwise, um, but that's okay. If you're happy where you are and you're getting positive results from those who you spend time with, then that's a good thing. And maybe the Lord will open up an opportunity where you'll be able to gently nudge somebody or talk to them or maybe even whisper in their ear an idea or something from the Lord that will help them to be able to see a little more clearly where we are. It appears, as it says in our scripture regarding itching ears, that so many are in a place right now where they really just cannot handle. I, 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 don't, I struggle with this, and I don't understand it. Personally, I really don't understand it. For if our hearts are truly, if we really, really want to be with Jesus right now, if we really, really want to see the throne room of God and climb that holy hill, if we have any inkling of what it's like, what, what our eternity is like and what it has in store for us, if we're able to to uh, use our sanctified imagination to um, embrace and become a part of that which seems to me to be the most exciting part of our eternity, which is that which goes past the new millennium. I'm not going to get into an analysis of the new millennium. I could play past radio shows where we've had people that had been taken into the new millennium. I, for one, pray in Jesus' name that every single one of you, every single one of you, and believe you me, when I get on my knees, and I do, I do, 
When I get on my knees and I pray for the listeners of this show, my heart is powerfully focused on one thing, and that is us. This is not escapism. This is about knowing where our heart should be, but not forgetting what our Heavenly Father has called us to do while we are here. It's very, very, very important for those of you who are still sorting out your path to understand that the most important um, attribute of your walk is to fall in love with our Heavenly Father. And that, I believe, takes prayer. I can give you testimonies of books that I've read, of Charles and Francis Hunter, Lester Summerall, many others who had different journeys in regard to falling in love with our Heavenly Father. And they and it occurred in different ways. For example, with Charles and Francis Hunter, both of them, as a husband and wife, had decided in, in their pursuit of serving the Lord that they, they recognized that they didn't love our Heavenly Father as much as they needed to. Through the life and death of the power of the tongue, both of them made, I don't know, an agreement um, between the two of them that when they would wake up in the morning, they would just say over and over again, I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. And little by little, in accordance with their testimony, they fell in love with the Lord. My journey was a little different in the sense that I prayed for it because I knew it was the number one and most important commandment of all. And it's through that love of our Father that you have godly sorrow, that you desire to work in harmony, that, that you want your walk to be in harmony, that you're constantly examining yourself, that you feel bad. You know, when, you, when, when you've come to the conclusion that some of the choices that you've made or whatever, even recently, are not ideal, and that you may have disappointed your father, who you love, you have godly sorrow. It's just the way it is. <clears throat> and from that springs forth a well of love and opens up doors of eternity to the light and the word, which is our Lord Jesus. There's a progression that takes place when our Heavenly Father, through whatever supernatural means, has made that change in you, in your walk, in your sanctification, whereby that fountain of love does spring forth from your heart, and then your motivation comes from that love, your motivation to pray for the lost, your motivation to help others, to touch their lives, to endure the trials and tribulations and difficulties of working in this version of earth uh, if you are employed. And if you're not employed, what a wonderful blessing that is to be able to have more time to spend. Always remember what's important. Always remember what your priorities are. I will admit that there were times where I was struggling with sleep I was overcome with earthly concerns and worries. And um, there are times when I've waken, woke up so utterly tired that I could barely, I could just barely deal with it. I mean, I could hardly get myself to the point where I spent time in prayer. And I, 
realized my priorities were starting to shift. I, I was too concerned about how I felt instead of how our, how our Heavenly Father felt. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, why should I give the flesh my fatigue, any of that, the opportunity to interfere with that, which is the most important. For example, I've told people many times, just in conversation alone, that if I'm going to work out, I need to work out immediately. I have to put no thought into it at all. In other words, when I come out of bed, my arms go up in the air, I praise God, I thank you, Jesus, and I put on my, uh, I pull up my uh, workout shorts, my workout sneakers, and I go straight downstairs, feed the dog, grab a thing of water, get on my elliptical trainer, and hit it. Hit it immediately. Give my mind no chance to try to talk me out of that, um, that moment. Get the priorities in order and execute upon them before you have time to think of 50 reasons why you don't want to or can't. If we put that same um, priority on our prayer life, it is really a good thing. It, it, it has been for me. Now, it's one thing if you're completely sick or whatever and you've got a fever of 102 or whatnot. That, that we all have to deal with that from time to time. Um, but I can tell you that it's been a powerful blessing for me to identify those priorities and to make our Heavenly Father and the time of being in the secret place of the Most High the number one priority. And that allows you to get out of bed, lift your hands in the air, praise God, thank Jesus. If you, if you, you know, if you want to, you know, if there's a few other things that you want to do in order to prepare yourself for the day, just as soon as they're done, go straight into that secret place. Don't hesitate. Make it the first thing that you do and really immerse yourself in it because then that power, that open heaven, that fiery flame that your that your prayers, which would otherwise be interceptible by uh, the darkness, will explode into holy fire and create and melt away the firmament, the firmament which, of course, we believe in faith through the testimony of those who have been in such a place, that it does exist and that we do have to break through. We have to pray through and have that power. And the only thing that bypasses the attempt of the darkness to hinder our prayers is the ability to speak in tongues. I spent the vast majority of my life having no idea how important prayer was to our Heavenly Father and having no idea the importance of the gift of speaking in tongues. I had no idea. It wasn't until, well, quite frankly, just five, six years ago that the Lord revealed it to me. As I was giving testimony, it occurred to me, as I was giving the testimony, how important it is and what it accomplishes that no other form of prayer can accomplish. And so many believers probably, at least has been my experience through testimony and people that I know in my life, Many have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at some point, but perhaps not with the manifestation of speaking in tongues. So it's, um, it's very important to seek that because that gift is incredibly powerful in the sense that it cannot be hindered by the darkness. It bypasses the darkness spiritually and connects directly into the throne room of God. I don't know where it puts, uh, where it puts 
it as far as petitions are concerned. I don't understand all that. All I can tell you is that my experience was I got instant gratification. Now, um, in other words, I saw with my eyes the results of my prayer and speaking in tongues in an extremely bad situation. I saw it with my own eyes. So the only thing I can take away from that experience is that it gets immediate attention. Somehow it gets bumped to the top of the petition stack that is before the throne room of our of the of our Heavenly Father, Yahweh El, God of gods, God of all, Hebrews twelve twenty two. Coming to an understanding of these things helps us to be able to set our priorities and understand that the outcome can be nothing but good. Nothing but good. I will ask this question once and I will let it sit with you to ponder. If you were in charge of a lot of um We'll just say people, in charge of a lot of people. And there was something that you needed them to do. Would you not have favor in your heart for those who executed upon that which you needed them to do? In other words, if there's only so many believers that are praying the way that they ought, and I think it might even be reasonable to estimate that that number of believers is is infinitesimally small by comparison of those who claim to be Christian. I, for one, would want to protect them. If I was the boss, if I was the head guy at some, you know, construction plant or some manufacturing facility, and I had a small handful of employees that I could count on, I would make sure that they were the last to go. If everyone was getting laid off, that tiny little group that I could depend on for that which I needed to do my job, to achieve the goals that I have, I would protect them. Am I submitting that we get extra protection because we are obedient to our Heavenly Father, That because we are doing that which many of our fellow brothers and sisters do not understand? I don't know. But it seems to me that it is kind of logical that that would be the case. I know that I would protect them. And I believe in my heart that our Heavenly Father is going to, will protect us, probably even more so. And it, and it is reflected, by the way, in um, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 28, 31, and 32 to some degree. Um Oh, and I think it's reflected in, in across a, um, a wide range of scriptures, um, particularly those that are associated with trusting God. The promises that are associated, if we were to do word studies on trust, the promises that are afforded those of us who work and strive to be obedient to our Father, to be in love with our Father, to trust our Father, to be in communion with our Father and our Lord Jesus, to make Jesus first in our lives, truly. When I say truly, what I'm saying is, I, I believe there's a big difference. Don't get me wrong. I, would, I, I wish somebody would put me on an email list and let me know when there's going to be a stadium full of 80,000 believers praising because I'd want to go. 
just to be in the presence of that power. But I think we have, there may be a challenge with intermittency. In other words, you know, people getting all fired up for the Lord for a period of time, but it's not part of their walk. And that's where we have to come. And that's where we have to be. And that's where we have to be as much as we possibly can. Praise God and thank you, Jesus. So I hope that you understand what I tried to convey because it it, it is a matter of priorities. And right now we're coming to a place, surely you recognize that, where this is more critical than ever before. While I can't quantify this, I think it's reasonable that each of our souls, each of our spirits are, are um, revealing to us that we're really, uh, the analogy that I used not too long ago, I don't know when exactly, but if, if the whole Bible and the whole existence of the Edemic bloodline up all the way to the new millennium was put on a set of DVDs with the Great Tribulation and the new millennium being the last DVD we are clearly well into the second to the last DVD. I don't know. It, I certainly wouldn't want to project forth um, a time because I know that through experientially that doing so is probably the fastest way to uh, dork up. But it is exciting to be alive at this time, but it is also burdensome and it's very, very hard. And the secret place of the Most High is the place where we can truly get that peace. Trusting God comes with many a reward. And praying for the lost is something that our Heavenly Father deeply loves. What an honor to be able to do that. And in accordance with the dynamics that we find ourselves in today here on this earth, Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And Luke 21, 36 says, watch, therefore. Doesn't say cower in the corner and be afraid. It says, watch. Now, why would you be able to watch all the ugliness that's happening across the world and not take away all fear, concern, worries, all that kind of stuff? Because you spend time with the Lord and you realize that is your trust in Him that gives you that peace. And you know we're going home. Not my favorite word, but nevertheless, pretty soon. And that's pretty cool. So we have been told by Jesus to watch and to pray always, not just on Sunday. Pray always that we may be counted worthy. I find that to be a very interesting choice of words. Now, I'm not going to go into the Greek and start analyzing it and break out an Englishman's concordance and find myself so deep into the weeds that all I can see is ladybugs. 
<laughs> okay, I think I think a lot of believers spend way too much time in the weeds, so much so that they don't really ever walk away with a, a reasonable understanding of what the Scripture is trying to say. I, I'm a big believer in checking multiple translations and things like that, but I've also studied under people who spent all their times in the weeds, and they never even realized that they were inside the jungle. They were too busy looking under the rocks, trying to find that secret formula for understanding the Hebrew better than somebody else. And they miss so much. But I lo- I'm, I'm fascinated by that word, counted worthy, because it implicates or it implies that we're not worthy, that we would need to be counted worthy. And that is truly an accurate understanding, particularly when placed alongside the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and that God saves such who has a contrite spirit, that we would not want to have presumptuous sin and be guilty of great and a great offense to our Father. Let us all embrace this and pray that we are counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. And for those of us who have been blessed to have read maybe many books, heard many testimonies from many different people about heaven, understanding where Jesus spends the vast majority of his time and where the vast majority of believers actually land when they get there, and why? When you read this scripture, you quickly come to the understanding that if we were to escape all these things that are about to come to pass here on the earth because we were counted worthy, and we are ultimately standing before Jesus in heaven, then the only place that we could be in heaven, standing before Jesus, would be on Mount Zion the city of the living God. That means we would be standing before him at the wedding supper. Because that's next, that's next queued up. I could spend probably two hours just if I, if I had four hours to hunt them all down. I could spend easily two hours just reading testimonies of uh, those who have been uh, you know, prophecies and dreams and such that have testified that um, the table is set. Now, what exactly that means to me, I don't know. But um, I think we are just that close. I really, really do think we're that close. But we know for sure that that's where we'll be if we're standing before the Son of Man, if we're standing before Jesus taken off this earth. So since we have these two promises, that if two of us agree on earth concerning anything, they ask, and we pray always that we may be counted worthy and stand before Jesus at the wedding supper, then let us pray this together. Father, We all know that we are on earth. There may be some of us that believe different things about earth, but that's okay. It's not relevant. 
Father, for those of us who are very excited about our eternity in your presence, that are hungry to trust you, that are hungry to have the peace that comes only from you and our trust in Jesus, knowing that we are unworthy, hoping that we will be counted worthy. We pray this, Father, before you, please. Count each of us worthy. Count each of us worthy. If there are, are things that are a part of our walk that are not in harmony, that are not in perfect alignment with your will, well, I guess that's to be expected to some degree. Help us in our journey, we pray, Father. But more than anything, we ask you, please, Lord Jesus, Father God, count us worthy. Count us worthy, as your word says, to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before you, Jesus. Because I don't know about anybody else, but I can tell you I'll be flipping out and I won't look over my shoulder, not for a nanosecond. And we praise your holy name and thank you. Thank you, Lord for hearing these prayers, for acting upon these prayers, and for not delaying. As Daniel said in Daniel 9.19, do not delay. Let not our prayers be hindered. In Jesus' name we pray. 1 Peter 3.7, in your holy name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I will. 
My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, in the morning, I will direct it to you, and I will look up. Psalm 5, 3. One thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Psalm 27, 4. Who may ascend the holy hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Praise you, Jesus. And this I shout out or read to. I can shout it out or I can read it to you. I think I'll go with the reading part. Um, This is from uh, Charles Spurgeon's Daily. And it's it's a blessing to those of us who find ourselves burdened and blessed by having to work in the workplace today, which is nothing less than a challenge, to say the least. Um, And this, it reads as follows, praise God. Those who have not to work hard, think they will love heaven as a place of service. And that's very true. But to the working man or woman, to the man who who toils with his brain or with his hands, 
it must be a sweet thought that there is a land where we shall rest. Oh, weary sons and daughters of Adam, you shall be still, you shall be quiet, you shall rest yourselves, for all are rich in heaven. All are happy there. All are peaceful. Toil, trouble, travail, and labor are words that cannot be spelled in heaven, for they have no such thing there. There's always rest. Although I will admonish each listener of the program without going into the full testimony, which is rather lengthy, that if the person that I, one of the people that I knew that was taken to heaven multiple times, heard accurately, which I know he did, I just know he did, when they take you into a room and they ask you whether or not you want to take the mission or go into rest, Take the mission. <laughs> Just take the mission. And uh, my understanding is the net end result will be very positive for all of your eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. Run. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship. And lovely, lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little sin foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Never to his friend. 
sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12:23. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57.15 Contrite meaning feeling or expressing remorse or penitence affected by guilt. Remorseful, repentant, penitent, regretful, and sorry. We praise your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, 
that at the moment that they set their wills against us, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise your name. Father, we declare a thorny hedge of protection, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit intermingled with your holy fire to swirl around our dwelling place and to cover us on all sides, Job 1.9, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we declare and plead, Father, for eight-foot, nine-foot, ten-foot tall warrior angels, mighty angels, Father God, fully clad in the armor of God to stand guard over our dwelling places and to protect our loved ones in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that any entity of the darkness that would attempt to launch a fiery dart at us to raise an earthly or spiritual weapon at us, at us would be immediately struck by your holy fire in Jesus' name. And, Father, we plead for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned Delta Force, Father God, the best that you have. We ask for your divine protection to ferret out all demonic portals, to ferret out and completely wipe out, to tear up and burn any demonic contracts or agreements that have been struck against us in the name of Jesus and then the entities that were behind them to be hit by the holy fire of God and that warrior angels will descend upon them to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest and cast them into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld that pit shut and to permeate the pit and to burn them where they, where they are stuck in the pit for as long as the Lamb of God would allow his blood to seal it. In Jesus' name, we pray for your divine protection, Father God. We pray and ask you, Father, for those angels to ferret out all attempts to come against us, to make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, to listen in on conversations, to interrupt, to strike people in such a manner that no evil shall befall us so that we are able to continue to do that which you need us to do, Father, in accordance with your word, and that is to pray for the lost and to do good and touch other people's lives. And the short period of time that we have left, we pray this in Jesus' name. For we exercise the rule of the victor over any demonic region that should set its will against us. We exercise the rule of the victor over any demonic regions that have permitted spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of doing us harm. We command that they be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all their books and artifacts of sorcery. And we require the immediate reversal of all their schemes, the cancellation of all their assignments against us. Penalties applied. We cast them into the pit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy oil time. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we commit, our, we commit ourselves completely into your total and utter ownership. We consecrate ourselves, our spirit, our, our, our minds, our heart, our souls, everything that we are in dear holy hands. And Father, in accordance with your word, we thank you for keeping us protected in your hands as well. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father God, that you will, through your power, through your will, and through the prayers of us for one another and also through the mightiness, the mightiness of calling down heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power and glory upon us that we will be divinely protected to, to fulfill that which you have written about us in our books, Psalm 139, verse 16, until and even beyond our departure forever and ever. We thank you, Father God. We praise your holy name. For, Father, 
We abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. While we know this will be hard, whatever you may want from us, whatever you may do, we praise you for it. We pray that you will place a spirit of trust upon us, that we are ready for all things, and that we will accept all things and praise you always. Let only your will be done in us and every one of us. We wish no more than this, O Lord, that into our hands that we can commit our soul and spirit, and we offer it to you with the love of our heart, for we love you, Father, our dear Father, our Abba Father, and we praise you and thank you that we could have this blessing, all these blessings, all these blessings that can only come from a time such as this. We praise your holy name and thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen.
even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, 7. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of God, glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part our Lord Jesus is glorified. Don't forget, if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8.2 Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all the depth, fire and hail, snow and cloud, stormy winds, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and judges of all the earth, of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above all the earth and heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all of his saints. Glory to God. We thank you, Jesus.
Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and don't lose heart. Saying there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice from me, my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said, Within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she will weary me. Then the Lord Jesus said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Now we, I don't believe, have to be too concerned about Revelation 19 and the coming of Jesus. And I believe with my all my heart that we'll be inside the new Jerusalem because she will be adorned like a bride and completely transformed at that point into our light bodies. So, I think that's pretty exciting, because there is no place I would rather be, particularly because of what I've heard actually goes down during the new millennium. Praise God. Very exciting. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight, every sin, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that has been set before us. Hebrews 12, 1. This is powerful. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly... A great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door was flung open and the chains of the prisoners came loose. Why? Because they sang praise to God. That's powerful. It's kind of like the walls of Jericho. 
very similar. Job 22.30, he, that's our Heavenly Father, will even deliver from where? From the pit. The one for whom you intercede, who is not innocent, yes, he will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Maurice Sklar was um, on this radio show a long time ago. long time ago. And he had said that one time that the Lord had taken him to heaven and he was walking, you know, walking along a, a pathway somewhere. And some somebody, some man, was yelling across the field from to, to him. And he was yelling, he was saying, Maurice! Sorry, trying to get my composure a second. He yelled across to him and he said, Maurice! Maurice! If you had not prayed for me, I would not have made it. John 20, 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I know what my choice is. Search us, O Father, know our hearts and try our anxieties and see if there's any wicked way inside of any of us. Lead us, please, Father, to the way everlasting. Cleanse us from our secret faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us. And then we shall be blameless. We shall be innocent of great transgression. Psalm nineteen, twelve to 13. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether or not you're holding to the faith and showing proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourself. Not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are counterfeits, disapproved, on trial, or rejected, that's the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 13, 5-6. I forget which teacher it was that I was listening to years ago, but he said, he, he brought up a very interesting point. He said, when you see yourself behaving a certain way, giving to somebody, touching somebody's lives, saying something kind, ask yourself if you would have done that as an unbeliever, and then you know that it is Christ in you. How much more so do we recognize these things from us as we have grown in our walk? It's all about sanctification. That basically is just a fancy word for getting closer to the Lord, taking joy from being in harmony with our Father's will, desiring to help others, to be truly, to be happy. To, I mean, I, I know that when I do the littlest thing for somebody else, or maybe to them it's a big thing, I don't know, but I love it, and I, I, take, I treasure it. Just like the early Christians did, and I do mean real early, you know, first couple of chapters of the book of Acts. 
they essentially worked for the purpose of serving God. That's one of the reasons why Paul was so uh, terse in his, um, I'll say, verbal spanking of uh, the believers in the Church of Thessalonica and the second letter admonishing them to stop being busybodies thinking that Jesus is going to come tomorrow and if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> I don't think it's easy to for some to read that and realize the passion that was in Paul's heart at the time that he was setting them straight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, they are all summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, 8 through 10. I love this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, and nor will cease from yielding fruit. Now measure that. <laughs> so when you're reading this, hopefully you're recognizing that this tree is us, and these promises belong to us because we trust in God. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That word appointed also means ordained you. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give to you. Now, what does it mean that your fruit remains? It means that what you did made some positive contribution to that person's destiny, which we all hope will be in glory with us. We thank you. Weapons of mass destruction, it is on. From Sister Julie Webby, Behold I Come. This is from all the way back to February of 2019. Daughter, it is I, the pierced one, the only Messiah ever come who laid down my life for those made in my image. It is I who was pierced for your transgression and bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement for your peace was laid upon me. I atone for your sin, and I alone rose from the dead and am alive forever, seated on the right hand of my Father. 
You have come to an extremely pivotal time in your journey. Fascinating that this was from 2019, just before the pandemic. And nothing has gotten better since, has it? Interesting. You have come to an extremely pivotal time in your journey, as those who are most intimate with me will now be elevated to a higher position in me. You have been given all authority, power, and dominion in my name, Yahshua, Jesus, and by my blood, by my blood sacrifice. The strategies and tactics of the enemy have gone to a more serious level, but I will now empower my called, my called out ones, to operate in a new anointing that which I now infuse through you that will terrify your adversary and cause fragmentation and chaos in the camp. For you see Satan and his hordes in their rebellion are behaving and manifesting in this realm as if their victory is won, just as they did in the moment that I died on Calvary's cross and was in the tomb three days and three nights. Satan did not want to accept the power that I would have when I rose, and he refuses that you, as my disciples, have been granted my power as well. The demonic entities have been released with force and in such numbers that their confidence is very high, and you are seeing the manifestations of this both publicly and privately. They are brazenly and directly challenging now any resemblance of my presence and believe all power is theirs. They have enslaved the minds of billions of people and will continue to use the spirit of manipulation, fear and doubt and despair, infiltration and intimidation to prevent my army from fulfilling its purpose. However, this day, I declare as captain and king of the greatest army of creation that you, Satan, have never seen anything like the weapons of mass destruction that I at this moment, unleash upon you and your army through my sanctified ones, even as I speak this word. You wicked, evil, perverse being, you have no idea the fight you began so long ago and how great, how great will your destruction be, Lucifer. You are now going to see the fulfillment of my scripture. My people will do all these things I did on earth and more. My remnant, I tighten your armor this day, and I pour out the holy fire of my spirit in a new and fresh anointing that enables you to cause holy fire in the enemy's camp, bringing recompense everywhere it is due. Fire of my holy spirit fall upon my people, my beautiful army refined by fire and trial who has been made ready and washed clean in my blood. Fill them to overflowing and with all power and all authority given to them by my father, because they believe on me, your son. As I have spoken it, I call upon you to take back with force all the enemy has stolen. Take dominion now over all the power of the enemy and your souls and over all evil things. Tread upon the serpent and the seed and his seed, and I will crush his head under your feet, sending him and his back to me for eternal judgment in the lake of fire. Call out by name every wicked spirit, every dominion, every principality, and command it by my power to be sent into the outer darkness to seal any breaches in the spirit over every aspect of your lives and cover everything in my holy and righteous blood. Amen to that. There has never been a season like this before as my bride collectively commands the darkness back. And what will now manifest here in this realm has an explosive and immediate effect. 
Pray to me and break every chain of command from the highest to the lowest in Satan's hierarchy of demons and ask me to cancel their assignments and effects with my blood, break their petitions, tear down their strongholds, strip off their attempts to kill my uh, kill souls using my blood and speaking with great power and authority over my holy word. Ask me to confuse their communications, call upon me to command my angels to to um, my angels concerning you and all these situations, and they will powerfully engage on your behalf. Pray to me to burn the camps of the enemy all over the world with my holy will and all consuming fire. Speak direct uh, destruction upon all that that is not of me. Be thorough and aggressive and diligent, going into every dark corner of the spiritual realm and blind the enemy with my light. You are more than conquerors in me, and I am directly guiding you, counseling you with my righteousness and wisdom. Satan will greatly fear you, the fearless, the chosen, the appointed, the sanctified, the overcomers. I am he who is greater in you than any other adversary could even fathom. The hour is terribly late, and I will say now, it is on. Conquer now through the blood of my sacrifice and my name, the name that is above every name and all things. I promise these things to those who overcome by the blood of my sacrifice, the blood of the Lamb. You shall not hurt from the second death. I will give to eat of the hidden manna. I will give you a white stone, and in the name, and the, and the, uh, and in the stone, a new name written, which no man knows except you who receive it. Revelation two seventeen. I will give you power over the nations, and you shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers. Even as I receive of my Father, I will give you the morning star. I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God, and you shall go no more out. And I will write upon the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon you my new name. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed upon the earth. He will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. He will sustain him on his sickbed. Psalm 41, 1 through 3. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore has also risen, who is even at the right hand of God and also makes intercession for us. Thank you, Jesus. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? A sword? As it is written, for you, your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, and I pray that we all are persuaded, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created, any created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans eight thirty one to thirty nine. We praise your name and we thank you, Father. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone who is amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that's given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12, 3-8 For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, please. That as the days grow darker, certainly as it is anticipated by many throughout the rest of this year and certainly into next year, that by grace given us through you and through our communion in your trust, the anointing of your hope, not just believing but knowing that soon we will be in your presence always not just here on earth, but right there in your presence. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, Lord Jesus, and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And to you, our Father, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I 
will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. Praise God. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Yep, we surely do. And the truth is not in us. If we confess of our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only, and not, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 John 1, 8. Uh, oh, okay, crosses over into another chapter. <laughs> okay, so 1 John 1, 8 through chapter 2, verse 2. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I was told one time by a, a man who I knew pretty well, who was essentially considered to be an elder in his church, which was well known in the city that it was located. And um, he, um, oh, he, I, I remember now, the Lord just brought it back to my recollection, yes. So he had told me, I found this very interesting. He said that no one wanted to teach from the book of First John. Ever. <laughs> and pretty much the reason is that there's so many scriptures in there that to those who struggle to understand and believe the overuse of dispensationalism and all that kind of nonsense that has plagued the church from receiving the truth. But there's a negative terminal to the battery as well as a positive terminal to the battery. The church of today never, hardly ever, mentions the Leonard Ravenhill version of the Bible, which is the truth. I find it a powerful blessing, and I recommend for everybody to, hey, at least once, you know, listen to 23 Minutes in Hell with uh, Brother Weiss, because um, it, it's it's the kind of thing that you only want to hear once. If that doesn't give you the motivation that you need, I stand astonished. <laughs> okay. Anyway, praise God. Bill Weiss, Weiss or Weiss, um, I forget exactly how it's pronounced. I know Terry Hill knows, but anyway, she knew the man personally. Thank you, Father. We praise your name. We ask you, Lord, to anoint us and bless us as we come before your incredible throne and partake of communion to honor our Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name.
disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said, I eagerly yearn for the supper, and that you suffer so we children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be told. They did not understand the reach of his plan. In his love, we were told to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gathered from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, And went back up to heaven to plead to the heavenly courts. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had covered the cross, and I can only imagine the thunder sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. All that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the truth of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our own. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased.
but you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, right now, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. First Peter 2.9 Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4.8. He, our Lord Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26.39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51.1-14. through 14. Father, have mercy upon us. Because, oh my goodness, we need it. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray, please, blot out all of our transgressions. Father, wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. We acknowledge our transgressions and our sin is always before us. Against you, Father, you only, we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father God, we were brought forth in iniquity, sadly, and in sin our mothers conceived us. 
Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make us to know your wisdom. Father, we pray that you will purge us with hyssop, that we shall be clean and wash us, that we are whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness, that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sins, Father. Blot out all, all of our iniquities. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence. And Father, please help us that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. Restore to us, Father, the joy of your salvation. Uphold us with your kind, loving, generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. We beseech you, Father, deliver us from the guilt of our past sins. Oh, Father, and our tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Ani, badodi, badodi, li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
at your face You were bound to live without sin Regardless of the cause Yes, I know You were killed for all that we owe For the sake of all eternity you died for me There was life wherever you touched You were strong, you were kind, you were just You were aiming for the goal Like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter to the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow.
I will always follow you. To spread the love, to be a leader of truth. I trust in you. I uh, I wrestled with the Lord over for a long time. I the short version is I kept feeling powerfully impressed that I was being told to do it, and I kept saying that's weird. I don't want to sit and pray in the dark room by myself. And uh, we went back and forth. <laughs> of course, the Lord won that one, as He always does. Praise God. But anyway, we were praying very much. Now there have been dealt, you know, slight differences. <clears throat> Some, uh, as I would, you know, as I would learn things, um, I would make adjustments to how I prayed, um, which is just, you know, good a good thing to do if the Lord shows you something a better way, you know. But anyway, um, but at the time we were praying for the lost. Um, quite the same way as we on this program here have always asking the Lord to send you know as it says in Job 33 14 and 15 in the King James which I do not I paraphrase I don't quote it exactly but close enough I, I hit the main point um, you know in dreams and visions of the night you know God speaks once yea twice but man perceiveth it not in a dream and a vision of the night. Anyway, so that's how I felt led to pray at the time. And then um, over, I don't know, I don't even know how many prayer vigils we've done, probably nearly 300 by now. But anyway, um, the Lord started to give us confirmations, which was awesome. Now, I... But anyway, I'm going to read some of them to, for you because it's just too cool. Okay. It's like very, very cool. Um, this is an article from CBN. And the headline is, Satanist has a vision of Jesus, gets delivered from addiction and suicide. I felt this love and this joy from God. 
written by a person named Michelle Wilson on 8-16-2022. Another uh, article says that more than 200 Muslim men in Gaza have converted to Christianity after reportedly seeing Jesus in their dreams. And it goes on to say, more than 200 Muslims in the, in, uh, Muslim men in Gaza have converted to Christianity after reportedly seeing Jesus in their dreams, said Christian professor Michael Lycona. Lycona teaches the New Testament studies at the Houston Christian University and was also has written a number of books. But anyway, another one came from Charisma News. Now, these are spaced, in some cases, many, many months and or years apart. Charisma News reports headline, AG Ministries, Muslims Encountering Jesus and Dreams at an Alarming Rate. Um, this was from Dinesh D'Souza, um, and he published this, he posted it on Twitter, and he said, Muslims by the millions are converting to Christianity. This has never happened before. And the astounding explanation given by many of the converts is that they are seeing dreams and visions of Jesus. Another one going further back was from the Gospel Herald Ministries News. It says, Iran now has one of the fastest growing Christian populations as more Muslims are having dreams and visions of Jesus. There was another one from Christian News um, where a young lady at the age of 27 in uh, Africa said that she had a dream um, on midnight December the 17th. She saw a man in white clothes who introduced himself to me as Isa, which in their language is Jesus. She was kind of flipped out and went running to a Christian man in her area and he promptly told her that that was the Lord calling her. We pray for the lost. This is from May 21st of 2013. It's a long time ago, folks. <laughs> I was like 10 plus, right? Many lives are lost is the title of this prophecy. My precious children, it is more important than ever now that you heed my words of warning to you. I will warn you of things to come, but I always tell my people what is coming. But you must listen and obey me. Many lives are lost in an instant and in a tragedy, many more in my judgments, but you, my precious children, shall be protect, protected if you do not turn from my words to you. Time is growing shorter, and many of my people do not believe the lateness of the hour. I am giving you signs now that this is so. Those who watch and pray will see the signs and know. They are those who shall be ready for my son's return. They are those whose lamps will be full of oil. Busy yourselves with my kingdom work, my children, for the time left to do my work is short now. And you lay up for yourselves treasures as you work to bring your brothers and sisters into the kingdom. 
Pray diligently and petition consistently for the salvation of the lost and for your loved ones, for I shall answer your prayers and save them. Great shall be your joy, and you shall enjoy the fruits of your labor. I hear your prayers and will answer. The times you don't hear my voice, I am still near you, watching you, working with you, and loving you. You are all precious in my sight, and I desire that you would take full advantage of all my son died to give you in these days. I desire none of a sacrifice to be in vain. Enjoy my blessings, children. Glorify me in all that you do. Lift high my name, the name of my son Jesus, and walk in his ways that men may see and know. We are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil and his demons. And we are the servants and foot washers of mankind. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. However, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. Ezekiel 22.30, Isaiah 6.8. Isaiah 43.25, one of my favorites. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20 Intensified Prevailing Prayer Intensified Prevailing Prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. Wish I knew that 40 years ago. It's God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon said, He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. From the book Mighty Prevailing Prayer, written by Wesley L. Duell. Charles Spurgeon, morning and evening, May 19th. And he requested for himself that he might die. 1 Kings 19.4 It was a remarkable thing that the man who was never to die, for whom God had ordained an infinitely better lot, the man who should be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire and be translated, that he should not see death, should thus pray, Let me die. I am no better than my father's. We have here a memorable proof that God does not always answer prayer in kind. 
though he always does, in effect. He gave Elias something better than that which he asked for, and thus really heard and answered him. Strange it was that the lion-hearted Elijah should be so depressed by Jezebel's threat to, as to ask to die. And blessedly kind was it on the part of our Heavenly Father that he did not take his despondent servant at his word. There is a limit to the doctrine of prayer of faith. We are not to expect that God will give us everything we choose to ask for. We know that we sometimes ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. It's in the book of James. If we ask for that which is not promised, if we run counter to the Spirit of the Lord, which would have, which, which would uh, the Lord would have called us cultivate, a little bit of a tongue twister there, sorry. If we ask contrary to God's will or to the decrees of his providence, if we ask merely for the gratification of our own ease and without an eye to his glory, we must not expect that we shall receive. Yet, when we ask in faith, not doubting, if we receive not the precise thing of which we've asked, we shall receive an equivalent, or more than an equivalent. As one remarks, if the Lord does not pay in silver, he will pay in gold. And if he does not pay in gold, he will pay in diamonds. If he does not give you precisely what you ask for, he will give you that, or just tantamount to it, or the equivalent or better. And that which you will greatly rejoice to receive in lieu thereof. Be then, dear reader, in much prayer, and make this evening a season of earnest intercession but take heed what you ask. When you are one with our Father, when you are immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit and full of the heart of the Lord Jesus, you want to please our Father. Pretty much all of your prayers will be for the purpose of pleasing your Father. So when I, just as my own personal example, when I pray that a particular project or whatever that I'm working on at work is successful, more than anything, that the reason for that, I mean, I could, I could, I, I get calls all the time. I'm sure that many of you do too. I mean, I could make one phone call and have somebody walk up to me and hand me four hundred thousand dollars in cash, and who knows how much more if I let them have everything in the house. I could walk away from all this easily, but I don't. I don't want to. I want to serve God. I want to be able to give. I want to be able to touch people's lives. I've always, this is the whole reason I set up the website in 2009. I had I had to warn people. And I wasn't even one one-hundredth of who the Lord has brought me to become today, which is still woefully inadequate. The effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. James 5.16b, fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity 
impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervent, and heartfelt, by the way, which aligns with the testimony of how Satan stops our prayers, combat in the heavenly realm, or inside the actual body text. It actually mentions it as a spiritual realm, which is a more accurate uh, term. The concept of a second heaven <clears throat> is uh, a man-made thing. We cast out demons, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink, that word, by the way, means to ingest, Anything deadly will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Does it say immediately? Or are they going to jump out of their wheelchair and go, Hallelujah! It doesn't say that, does it? Remember the Holy Spirit gifts, the primary nine Holy Spirit gifts um, include a gift of healing and a gift of miracles. Put the two together and you have a miraculous healing. Right? Praise God. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means earthly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is about our war against the second order demons. I, I won't even go into it. You know, it's funny. I, I gotta, I gotta mention this. Praise God. So, someone had written me and said, "Oh, but Pastor so and so says that you shouldn't pray against second order demons. You know, principalities, powers, thrones, spiritual hosts of wickedness, rules of darkness of this age, all that kind of stuff." And he's teaching everybody, and and uh, she goes on to explain that uh, he went and told all of these different pastors to stop praying against them. And when they did stop praying against them, guess what happened? All was good in their lives. All the problems that they were having seemed to just melt away. Life was good. Do you think that was the right advice? I think we know the answer, right? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, be able to withstand an evil day. Is it an evil day today? <laughs> that's rhetorical by the way and having done all to stand it's Ephesians 6 10 through 13 Luke 10 verse 19 it's so important to take note because those who rely on an overuse of dispensationalism to split the Bible into lots of different pieces to build excuses ultimately to sin. That's really what it's all about. Oh, Jesus wasn't talking to us. He was talking to the Jews. That's what you call a misuse of dispensationalism. But what's really neat about Luke ten nineteen is when he sent out the 70, who were they? The 70 people that he sent out you know, two by two. Who were they? 
They were just a bunch of people following him around. They weren't anointed. They weren't apostles. They weren't handpicked. There's none of that. These were just a big group of sinners. And then when they come back and their minds are blown, oh my goodness, even the demons of you know you know uh, respond to your name and you know they're flipping out. And then Jesus looks at them and says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you're not doing anything, does this apply to you? It does God afford the same protection to the believers who are not bearing fruit. Hmm. Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Notice that he was talking to the demons directly. Also, I've said this many times, but I am fascinated by the words that are wrapped into the text. Most people just overlook it. To me, sometimes it's the most important stuff. Why did Jesus wait until the people came running together? Because it says in John fourteen twelve and uh, thirteen and fourteen, it says, uh, you know, th- th- that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus was waiting for the people to come running together so that he could so that they could all see Jesus cast the demon out. So he could glorify his father. That's pretty cool. Mark twelve twenty eight, Jesus said, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house? What's a strong man? They they run in packs. It's like wolves. You know, you got the head of the pack. You've heard the term, cut off the head of the snake, and, you know, the rest of them will, you know, fall. That, that's what this is all about. The strong man, it's a hierarchy, and there's always a demon that is the most powerful, and they run in packs. And then they enter into a human body. They can enter into a house, you know, all kinds of things. Um, you know, so a building, whatever. I imagine with Sodom and Gomorrah, it was the whole town. Um, but anyway, because um, that would echo back to uh, Ezekiel 22:30, where it says, I look for a man to stand in a gap you know, before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. See how that kind of, they all seem to like blend together harmoniously. It's amazing. Yeah, I guess it's not that amazing once you once you get there, but it takes a long time. <laughs> it does look to somebody who's just learning and starting to read that there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible, but in reality there aren't any. They all come together and they blend together in perfect harmony, but you have to understand the eternal nature of the Word of God and a lot of, a lot of other things that eventually come to your understanding. Matthew twelve forty three to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. So there's that reference to a house. He's talking about a human body in this case. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Because the demons were cast out. 
And then he goes and takes with him seven other more spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with his wicked generation. That's the key to the understanding of the scripture. So shall it be with this wicked generation. When Jesus told the man, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And this is the number one mistake that, unfortunately, our brothers and sisters and leaders in the churches out there, the very few that even bother to do any kind of uh, casting out of demons these days, one of their most unfortunate omissions is they will... The elders at the end of, like, say, for example, a Wednesday night service or something, once everybody gets out, you know, if, they, if there's somebody there asking for deliverance, they'll gather around them, they'll lay hands on them, they'll cast the devil out. But what they won't do is they won't sit down and counsel the individual and explain to the individual what they must do to keep the demons from coming back. In the uh, biography, I guess it was a biography, yeah, of Lester Sumrall. He was, I'll leave out all the details, and it's an absolutely mind-blowing story. It's incredible, and you learn so much, so much, so many misconceptions that fellow Christians and believers have told you over the years will be washed away in their ignorance by reading about some of God's most anointed contributors The Lester was told to go in and deliver this woman from possession. She was inside of a jail cell in Manila, the Philippines. The only reason he was there was because he wanted to negotiate and put a church in the Philippines. And he heard on the radio, because there wasn't TV back then, he heard on the shortwave radio, everybody was making a fuss. It was a big deal. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the Preakness or whatever, you know, like a big sporting event. But it was on the radio, and the shortwave radio was getting brought And they had brought in, I have no idea how many, but it was a whole bunch of different preachers and pastors from many different denominations. And they all got, well, their carcasses handed to them. <laughs> It was pretty bad. This woman was so heavily possessed that people were dying on a daily basis. And they were desperate, really, because they had sent in, you know, Catholics and Lutherans and people from all over the world of different denominations, and everything was an absolute utter failure. And nothing worked. And Lester was asked by our Heavenly Father as he was in his hotel room, Lester, I need you to go in and deliver her. Well, Lester was very openly um, not big on deliverance. You know, he, he made it very clear that it was the thing he hated. He just didn't like to do it. Okay. Which... I can't imagine why, <laughs> okay, but he was like <clears throat> wrestling with the Lord and, you know, basically saying, Lord, I, you know, please don't make me go do that. I don't want to do that. I, I just, you know how much I hate that. I just don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And uh, 
Our Heavenly Father said to him, Lester, I have no one else. So for all of you out there that have had a so-called believer friend or relative or whatever that said, well, if you won't do it, God will replace you in a snap. That's not always the case. That is actually incorrect. Sometimes we are the only ones that can do it. And when the father, when our father said to Lester, I don't have anyone else I can send. It tugged at Lester's heart and he said, okay, I'll go. So he went up. Long story, but basically he went up and he told him, I, I'll get rid of the demon. And at this point, this particular woman had, you know, in her state of possession, had killed a lot of people. And the authorities that were running the whole thing and also, of course, doing the radio shows and all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, they, they, they were like, yes, yes, come, please. So, he, you know, to make a long story short, he goes in there and goes after the demon as he ought. And he fights with it quite a bit and um, kicks the demon out. And it was all over the shortwave radio. I mean, they were just, people were cheering, and it was just a big deal. Wow! For You know, we've had, you know, 20, 30 different pastors from all different denominations, and this man, Lester Summerall, has gotten rid of the demon from this woman. And they made a big deal, and it went over the airwaves and all this to do. And Lester went, got out, left, went back to his hotel room and started to pray and think about how he was going to approach the governor of Manila to see if he could get a church. But then the unthinkable happened. This woman became re-possessed. And it was all over the radio. And Lester was befuddled. How can this be? So he goes back in. But this time he confronts the demon. And the demon is forced through the name of Jesus to admit that it had a legal right to return to the woman, the house, to return to the house from which I came. So Lester went back to work, got rid of the demon, and ultimately he had to sit down and counsel the woman and explain to her that it is that the demon is going to try to come back over and over and over again. And it is up to her to fight. It is up to her to use the name of Jesus and to get it out. And that was when she had the victory. And I'm here to tell you, I have never, not once, ever seen that happen in a church that was casting out devils. Never. Probably just because they don't know any better. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so we're running down short on time. I could go through a whole bunch of other things, but I think at this point, 
Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and pray for the lost peoples of North America. And I'm going to toss in Central America and the Caribbean as well. It's all in the same general geography. Praise you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we symbolically hold up a golden cup of forgiveness before you. And we pray, Father, please forgive the peoples of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America. Forgive all of them, Father, from the north and to the south, to the east and to the west. Father, please forgive them, for they truly do not know what they do. In fact, most of us don't. We pray through your mercy that you will pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon them all. Forgive them, Father, in Jesus' name. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely and unhindered into the lands of North America, the Caribbean, and Central America in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Father, like your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of North America. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name, as a royal priesthood, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America, we come against you. In Jesus' mighty name, we declare fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces, we declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony. Hallelujah. And we plead with the courts of heaven in the mighty name of Jesus for an innumerable company of angels of war, archangels to follow, to enter into battle with you, such as never been seen since before there was time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior. Strong men, come forth. Subordinate spirits, out now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, for we have come to punish you at this time. For greater things than these will we do, because our King has gone unto the Father. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal that pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We're looking for a breakthrough, even if but for a time. In the name of Jesus, we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to encapsulate all the peoples of the lands of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America in the mighty name of Jesus. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. Enter them no more in Jesus' name. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name, Father. Father, we declare the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace to enter into their soul, into their spirit, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for an innumerable company of angels of light, angels of love, and the presence of our Lord Jesus. 
They don't come upon each of them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. Holy Lord Jesus, we ask you, please, in your mercy, to call to them by their name, that they will feel the presence of your love and the glory of the true light. We praise your holy name and thank you for touching those who will receive in accordance with your holy word and the power that has been bestowed upon us through the mighty name of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the lover of our soul. We praise your name forever and ever. We want to be there now. We want to be there now. And we love you, praise you Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Give us, pour out an anointing of trust. Pour out an anointing of hope. Pour out an anointing for us to understand how trivial, well, how important this all is, but how trivial trivial it all is also in the grand scheme of all of eternity. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Thank you, Jesus, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing.
Until you come back for your bride to set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full, our hearts are light Like those five wise virgins we will be Your bride awaits thee patiently Longing for that blessed sound The dead will rise The churches gather We're praying that We're worthy, Lord To join our family When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure and while we wait We will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free